Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Due to circumstances beyond our control, this week's episode is pre-recorded. However, it will suck as usual. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. Yes, coming to you way pre-recorded, but on this week's episode, uh, we have a Ask the Pipe Maker with Jeff Grasick. And then my guest is journeyman pipe smoker from way down under in Australia, Neville Smith. And a music mailbag and a Kevin Godby-inspired rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, big news, as I promised last week. Uh, all the information is updated for the Las Vegas International Pipe Show 2023, October 13th, 14th, and 15th in Las Vegas, Nevada. The website is up. You can book your tables, your tickets, your... Uh, uh, dinners and this year uh, this year we did a hat we did a hat for the show so go online check that out and uh, reach out to us if you have any questions uh, and again this year you know all right so cost went up just a little bit this year from the hotel and we worked with them back and forth uh, but we've uh, managed to keep the cost down and as much as possible so you will see that uh, but should be a good time i mean people are already booking rooms and coming in on wednesday and tuesday and then uh, room hopping and all that uh and yes this year we have a hat and there is a discount on everything if you uh a lower price on everything if you book before september 10th so take a look reach out to us if you have any questions all right all right let's get the show rolling so everybody sit back relax fire up a bowl thank you all for tuning in and here we go There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us for Ask the Pipe Maker is someone who knows absolutely nothing about pipes at all, because he's all brand new to it, but he's a YouTube sensation, so we were having him <laughs> on. Uh, it's Jeff Grasick, supposedly of J. Allen Pipes. Jeff, welcome to the show. Allegedly. Alleg Allegedly. Allegedly. Thanks for having me, Brian. 
All right. So Chris writes this one. Uh, a question I'd love for you to answer on the air or maybe discuss with Jeff Grasick. Well, he named, called you out personally. Wow. Yeah. My name. Uh, he says, I hear people talk about three main pipe design classifications, Italian, English, and Danish. Could you comment on some of the distinctions or key characteristics of each? Danish seems uh, pretty self-explanatory, but I'm not sure about the differences in the English and Italian shapes. Okay. Wow. 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 Yeah. How long do we have? Well, let's see. I've got 406 hours of free recording time on my hard drive, so we okay. might be and able to make it. And uh, how many visuals can we provide as examples on a podcast? Zero. Okay, so that'll shorten it down. <laughs> I, this is well, really asking to describe the difference between you know, Renaissance Gothic and uh, and postmodern and yeah. You know. Right, right. I mean, they certainly they certainly interact. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they're one influenced another, and the 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 influence isn't um, it isn't one way. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a big subject. There's a lot, there's a lot to describe, but we'll try to keep it simple and try to make it, I think, understandable to people because, uh, <laughs> describing shapes, I think can be, um, maybe less helpful than seeing them. I'll tell you what, um, you, do, you do the smart words, I'll do the dumb words and then it'll work out. Okay. Anti-disestablishmentarianism. I hate you. Next. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's start with the English pipes. How about that? Okay. So English pipes, uh, again, I, I have said it before and I'll say it again because it's true. I am not an historian. <laughs> but um, the pipe industry as we know it um, is, has been probably the broadest influence comes from English, and I think we can also put French together with that. The English yes. and French shapes are uh, very nearly identical. Um, and there are some reasons for that that we don't need to go into in this We've already um, upset the, show. We've already upset the English and the French by saying that, but go ahead. Exactly, exactly. They, they fortunately have a, 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 a vast amount of water between them, so you know, <laughs> we'll let them fight it out at a later date. All 12, um, all 12 miles of it. But yeah. Right. But I think what we think of as classic pipes, like when we, you know, putting air quotes around classic, uh, what we think of as classic pipes comes from the English and French pipe catalogs. Mm -hmm. If you looked at a wall chart with ha, at a factory um, that has all of the shapes that the factory can produce, those those shapes are in English and French factories are what we consider to be classic pipe shapes. Yeah. Billiard, and, uh, we're talking billiard, bulldog, Rhodesian, uh, poker. You know, Dublin poker. Prince, those, yeah, all that, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, those are all um, English origin, mm -hmm. English or French yeah. or French. And I and I don't know personally how to distinguish one from the other. Uh, you know, which which came first? And I think that probably some came first in one place and some came first <laughs> in another. Um, but I'm not going to wade into that fight. Um, what I will say is that, um, I think those, those shape catalogs kind of help establish what we consider to be the classic 
yeah. classic pipe shape vocabulary. And from that, then you can look at Italian and Danish pipes. And Italian pipes have taken that that uh, classic pipe catalog and being the uh, the source for a lot of the briar is really, really helpful. They could access some of the best briar uh, that was available in the world and they could get it before it got shipped to the uh, French and the <laughs> and the English factories. Um, but they also, uh, you know, in in addition to to having really good sourcing for briar, they were doing a lot of shaping by hand afterwards, doing, um, they weren't doing the Danish style of shaping by hand, but they would, they would drill a pipe and then they would shape it. They would have a, a sketched idea for it. And I th I'm thinking now of like Costello or, yeah. um, Claudio Cavici. Uh, these are, um, like really well-established, um, producers of pipes that are classical, but I wouldn't, they're, they're easily distinguishable from their French and German counterparts, right? Yeah, yeah. you can tell us our Jacopo from across the room. Exactly, exactly. And some of that is like exaggerated proportions. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe the bowls will be larger relative to the shanks. Um, some of it is the stain choices that they make. So Italian pipes are known for having lighter finishes, these beautiful like blonde finishes on their smooth pipes, which you pretty rarely see out of um, the Italian or um, the uh, the French and um, English factories. You do see them for sure, right? But not in brighter colors. So you might see like a natural finish, but they the English and French pipes tend to have more of a muted uh, color to them. Yeah, more of a reddish or a brownish. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Thinking of and Italian classic. pipes tend to be much brighter and lively, and yeah. so there's like a playfulness with the. Uh, with the shaping, and you think about it with the finishes as well. Think of like the finishes on Ardors or or uh, or the Sea Rock finish on uh, Costellos, um, the wax drip finish that uh, Costello and and others have done. They uh, they're just you know beautiful, interesting um, uh, finishes that are really really distinctive. And so when you've been in pipes for a while. And you you know you've seen your ha a handful of them. It's pretty easy to recognize an Italian pipe, and um, and not mistake it for something else. Now, Danish pipes. Are, <laughs> Here we are go. Thing. <laughs> Hold on, kids. It's going to be a rough yeah. ride. <laughs> well, Danish pipes are a different animal altogether. Um, in that earlier on, so we like look at the the Stanwell factory, and I love the story about how. When, when I, I can't remember the name of the founder of the Stanwell company, but when he was founding the company, he thought that English pipes were really popular in Denmark, and he decided um, that to have a pipe factory, one needed to have an English pipe brand, but he wanted to make them in Denmark, and he thought Stanwell sounded like an English pipe brand, so he renamed he named the, the company to sound like it was English, even though it was in Denmark. Same thing happened and, with uh, with the Orlick Tobacco Company. Orlick was an old oh, really? was an old British name that one Dane owned, and they said, "You know what? Uh, Assens Tobacco Fabrique does not sound global, but Orlick Tobacco Company does." There you go. Yeah. yeah, and so branding branding was was really important for the success of these companies. And then early Stanwell shapes were were designed kind of on the 
out of the Dunhill pipe catalog. Yeah. <laughs> they were they were borrowing shapes, but we're executing them a little differently. That maybe they were making the shanks a little daintier on a billiard. Maybe they were making the mouthpiece a little bit longer. Um, and then Sixton Everson came along and started designing pipes for Stanwell uh, with his own unique style. And Tom Eltang designed, gosh, just heaps and heaps of shapes Man. for uh, for Stanwell. Um, and so the design language that we, we've come to know as Danish, even when it was influenced by, by English pipe shapes, has a really distinctively Danish flavor to it. Um, and I think of those things as being... Uh, in a different way than the Italian pipes, there's a playfulness to them. They're, uh, the proportions are different, but they're different in a different way than the Italians are uh, from, the, from the English pipes. And so you tend to find more um, uh, just gracefulness in the mm -hmm. shape in a way that's really, um, it's very hard to describe. It's easier to see than it is to describe. But if you look at the side profile of a bent um, shape, it will have a very graceful line from the nose of the bowl all the way to the, uh, to the, to the button. And it's something that's really unique to Danish pipes. If, if I had to describe the three and I've had 10 minutes while you've been rambling on about fancy stuff. Oh, you need to rescue me from the ramble and your yeah. listeners. Yeah. Well, if you're still awake now. Um, if I, if I had to, if I had to sum them up into, you know, like one sentence each, I would say that, uh, that the British or the, the English French, the original 1900s turn, you know, 1890s, 1900s into, into the founding of the Dunhill factory, that design is more of a utilitarian or direct approach mm -hmm. to a pipe, you know? Yeah. Uh, strip away whatever wood is not necessary, make the pipe line up right, make the proportions you know, mm -hmm. as 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 uh, proper as they can, and at the same yeah. at the same time, you know, make it utilitarian, but, right? But still proportional. So, if I were to describe in two words the genre of pipes that we're talking about, English and French pipes, it would be functional and restrained. Yeah. And that's, that's how they feel to me. But again, that's bringing a lot, you know, a couple decades of experience to it. That's, yeah. that's makes sense to me. And then if you looked at the Italians, it would be a bigger, more playful take on what the British and French did. And then if you just look at the Danish factory pipes, uh, I'm always reminded that really when Denmark started with factory pipes in the forties and fifties, that was also the beginning of the postmodern, you know, the, the modern Danish look. So mm -hmm. it's a little more minimalistic, a little more natural respect mm -hmm. to what the wood's doing. So you see a little bit more angle and a little bit more mm -hmm. softer corners on some things. Right. Uh, well, and I think that that's the one thing that, you know, I didn't, I didn't uh, touch on with what I was talking about. I was largely speaking about the the influence of like Stanwell and the factory. Yeah. But if you look at individual pipe makers in Denmark, uh, starting, you know, with Sixten Neversen and Paul Rasmussen, you know, these, 
what what they were doing is just what you said. They were they were the first ones looking at the grain in the block and saying, how can I create a shape to show off this grain? Whereas in the past, yeah. they were a factory or or an artisan pipe maker, if, if they existed, who was making classical shapes, was saying, golly, I hope the grain turns out all right on this billiard. <laughs> yeah. well, um, Sixton was flipping the block around in his hand saying, here's how I fit a billiard into this block, or uh, if not a billiard, what can I make that will show off the grain that nature gave me? Yeah, and then we have the uh, and then we have the 1990s where the Danes and the Americans kind of merge, and, and then you get the Jeff Graysics of the world coming out, where you know you have that that American Danish artisan look that you can almost pick up across the room too. Well, hey, I'm just happy to be in the uh, in the same sentence as the Danes. <laughs> You're at the end of it, so <laughs> that's fine with me as long as I'm there. Yeah, I hope that answered. Uh, I hope that answered Chris's question because I mean, there's a lot to unpack in there, and probably a lot of history lessons and a lot of open for interpretation too. Mm -hmm. It would be a really good topic of conversation for a a forum or a presentation at a pipe show, like maybe the Vegas pipe show. Yeah, I've never been there. Yeah, but that'd be good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Sure thing. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us for another one of the journeyman pipe smokers. It's the, the, uh, the, the smokers that have survived five to 10 years of smoking, got past those rookie mistakes, um, from the, uh, from the big Island of Australia, uh, normally on the far edge of the big Island of Australia is, uh, Neville Smith. Neville, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. G'day, Brian. Very excited to be with you today, and yeah, thank you for the welcome. Yeah, and you are from uh, you're from Perth, which I know some people from Australia, and they think, "Wow, that's way out there." We're uh, I think we're factually still known as the most isolated capital city in the world. Yeah, we're furthest from everywhere, which is <laughs> kind of just the way we like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I and I remind people that. The island of Australia is about the same size as the lower 48 states of the U.S. So when you say uh, Perth is on the far western coast, I mean, that's a that's a long way from where most people live in Sydney and Melbourne. 
Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, the You had the Wild West over there, and we have our own version over here. <laughs> but um, we're, WA stands for a, a couple of things. We either say it's way ahead, while the rest of Australia say it means wait a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, did you grow up in, in uh, Perth? I grew up in regional Western Australia, actually, so... Down south, about two hours' drive from Perth in a country town called Bunbury. And uh, we also lived for a time up in the Pilbara, in the far, far north of Australia, uh, the iron ore mining capital of Australia as well. So, yeah, lots of industry and things like that. And, yeah, learned to love the great outdoors because of the great outdoors is everywhere up in the northwest especially. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of wide open spaces and places for kids to go run and get lost and get eaten by giant spiders and other weird things that are out there. Yeah, goannas are the, probably the biggest problem. I'll admit to that. Chased by the odd goanna or two. But uh, yeah, luckily, not too many spiders. Too hot, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, how did pipe smoking come into your life? Because, I mean, you're kind of on the edge of the earth yeah well there's two ways and one sort of snuck up on me that i didn't really realize until later but i've been a cigar smoker like many of the people who you've interviewed before have said and you're probably aware that the tobacco taxes are just obscene over here <laughs> and so the price of cigars were going up and up and uh, i was in my local tobacconist and was just looking on the top shelf and they had these pouches of tobacco and again in australia we've got these arcane laws where everything tobacco related has to be this olive drab green color which was scientifically proven to be unappealing apparently yeah. so everything is the same olive drab green uh, even the bands on cigars are covered up by that drab color but I realised that the price of one cigar was about $60 Australian. And I looked at this top shelf and saw pouches of this pipe tobacco were $60. And I thought, well, there's probably more than one or two smokes in one of those compared to the one smoke I'll get out of a $60 cigar. So I asked a bit about it and asked the lady behind the counter much about it. And she sort of shrugged her shoulders and said, oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but with a little bit of coaxing, she let me smell some of the pouches and I was looking for one that smelt most like a cigar. So I ended up purchasing a pouch of Peterson's University Flake, ah. which I then paired with a basket pipe that I bought from the same tobacconist and thought, gee, this is all right. And I think I got like 15 smokes out of that. So from an economical point of view, I thought cigars can take the back seat and uh, this pipe smoking might be all right. Then I started searching it up online and found this whole community, uh, not only the YouTube community and uh, the podcasts that I started listening to like yours, but a local pipe community as well, which opened my eyes to a heap of things. So your local store wasn't much help, but yet the, uh, the online community was kind of your go-to for information and, and ideas. It's, it's a very deep well, too, that online community. So, yeah, it's super helpful. It turns out later I realised my dad's a, a Scotsman and uh, later on when I was talking with him about taking up the pipe, uh, we used to share a cigar on occasion and he dashed off 
one day and came back with this old clay pipe. And because he's a Scotsman, he, he smokes every cigar to the very end. So when he starts to burn his fingers, he would shove it in his his clay pipe and, and nub that sucker all, all the way to the bottom. <laughs> uh, so it turns out my dad was a pipe smoker, but I was unaware of that until uh, we shared a cigar and a chat one night. Yeah, I mean, at 50 or 60 Australian dollars for a cigar and you're going to lose one inch off of it, no, you you find a clay pipe. <laughs> uh, yeah, every ounce. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so did, but did the smoking of a pipe automatically? I mean, did it did it automatically appeal to you and satisfy that that cigar experience? Well, it did. It was it was novel and it was interesting and. You hear stories of people having some awful experiences, but mine wasn't too bad. I will admit that the university flake had a little bit of strength to it. Yeah. But I think because I'd built up a bit of a nicotine tolerance, it wasn't too bad. And I found the process relatively easy. It might have been just because there's so many videos that helped, or it might have been just because the, the natural pace of drawing the smoke in without inhaling that I'd inherited from cigar smoking helped but no i i took to it uh, like a duck to water as the saying goes yeah. and before long was scouring ebay for new pipes and uh, as much as i could get now for um, that was in 2016 too i don't know if i mentioned that so but for you is that you can order pipes easily online but getting tobacco online can be difficult correct well, it's very difficult. There's lots of overseas places that no longer ship. Um, in fact, in I think it was 2018, the local, the Australian pipe community, we were talking about the topocalypse, um, which was that the laws were changed. We could no longer import loose tobacco. Prior to that, you could import loose tobacco uh, and pay a duty on it, but they then banned that. So the only things you can import and still pay duty on is cigars. But in the lead up to the apocalypse, we as a community were going mad, getting as much as we could and stockpiling it because uh, as you famously say over and over, tobacco will only be as cheap as it is today. It's not going to get any cheaper. So yeah. we sort of put in there our lifetime plan. How much do we need for the rest of our life? We're trying to stock up. These days, there's a couple of Australian online retailers, but you're paying about $120, $130 a tin. <laughs> I'm sorry, $120. <laughs> wow. Uh, let's see, convert that to US dollars. You're still <laughs> around $75 US dollars for a 50 gram tin. Uh, so um, I, feel, yeah. I, I feel for you. Look, the way I just. Uh, if you go to the pub and you buy a pint of beer, that's that's probably around nine or ten dollars. So at six dollars a smoke, it's still a well hour. It's an hour well spent. Yeah, it's after you get over the the heart attack of the price you pay. Sure, um, <laughs> I'm just thinking. Uh, and and you're uh, and the, you Australia is a perfect example of how pipe tobacco got lumped in with the cigarette tobacco business. And that was really why they went with that non, you know, that mail order tax, your, uh, your tobacco mm -hmm. uh, apocalypse there. 
and they left cigars alone because they just said, okay, I'll lose tobacco. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. Did you, did you try all different kinds of tobaccos eventually and, uh, and kind of settle in one area of, or one style of tobacco that you like? I certainly did. We, I would try and take everything I could get. Um, and that also meant going to like uh, estate sales. And uh, if you found, uh, you know, often an old lady might post some pipes online mm -hmm. on the local classifieds. And I would always contact and say, yeah, I'll, I'll take a look at the pipes. And by the way, did your husband happen to leave any tobacco behind? And uh, so we would find all sorts of things through that sort of avenue and make the most of what was that. It, you would acquire it however you could and then you'd use it to trade if you didn't like it. That's kind of how we work in, in our local pipe community anyway. Wow. And, yeah, to answer your question more directly, I settled on Englishes and Virginias, but I'm kind of – I don't eat the same thing every night for dinner, so I mm -hmm. tend to sort of smoke the same way as well. I'll open the cupboard and I'll sort of scan through and sort of, what do I feel like? Do I feel like something savoury or sweet or something sort of punchy or mild? And and from that, I'll sort of, I, I do have a broad selection still. And so I pick and choose depending on my mood. So you're one of those lucky people that enjoys all different types of tobaccos and gets all different experiences and you're and you're happy at the end of each one. Yes, yeah, and I I like how you describe that because, yeah, it is about the experience. That's the thing that draws me to the pipe more than anything, to, to sit and, and savour and explore. And I read recently that novelty for the beginner is variety, so you do try a lot of everything. Mm -hmm. uh, I did try a few aromatics but didn't really enjoy them, um, so I've sort of settled on the more traditional tobaccos. Um, so, yeah, while novelty for the beginner is variety, novelty for the expert is a nuance. And so, yeah, as I sort of evolve, I'm noticing the differences and the subtleties between the different types, and I enjoy that huh. exploration. That's that's probably the best way I've ever heard that said. So, uh, and, and before we go to the break, how many people are in your, uh, your Perth pipe smoking club? Well, that depends on the day. There's... Hmm. There's three of us that are very much core members, and we regularly meet. Uh, at one point, it was quite big. Uh, there's a, a dozen or more of us, but it does tend to sort of wax and wane as, as people's interests come and go. It's relatively small at the moment, so if there are any West Aussies listening in, yeah, make sure you jump on the Perth uh, Pipe, Pipe Smokers Guild Facebook page and say hello. Yeah. Uh, and say good day, mate. Um, <laughs> I just had to slide that in there. Sorry. Uh, yes. <laughs> we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll have more with Neville. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike. And our workshop, too, is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning 
to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mila Folge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with Neville Smith of Perth, Australia, which, as I was just doing the math, I believe you are the person furthest away from me that has ever been on the show. So congratulations. Thank you. That's quite the accolade. And from what you've mentioned previously, Brian, it's not a bad thing to be far away from you. Um, yeah. It's, um, <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, the, fur- <laughs> the further away you are, the better I look. And the less you can hear, and the less you can hear the, the less you can hear the noises in my head. Um, all right. So, uh, how many pipes do you have now? And you've only been at this for six, seven years. So. Uh, well, there's there's a bit of a story to that. I very quickly got the tobacco and pipe accumulation disease and went mad and and was just buying up estate pipes everywhere but a bit uh, a bit of knowledge around restoring them heaps of good videos really good ones i found i would send off to the us to get cleaned and renovated so i think at one point i had about 45 pipes and i had about i I don't know how to convert this to bounds for you brian but i probably had about 20 kilos of tobacco that's 44 Um, pounds two years ago there you go Beautiful. Um, you're quick for that. Well done. Yeah. Right. Two years ago, though, uh, we tragically suffered a, a bit of a house fire. Right. And that old philosophical question of if you had to restart your collection, where would you start became a real one for me. Ouch. Yeah, it was best smelling house fire for, for a long time in Perth. Though. <laughs> so you lost your entire pipe collection and tobacco collection? I, I did and I didn't. Um, I had tobacco in a couple of different places around the house. And if I started at the back of the house, where sadly all my pipes did go, uh, I had a beautiful 1936 Dunhill that I'd bought uh, as an estate, of course, and a few other really nice pipes. Um, so I lost all them and thought I'd lost all the tobacco too. But the pipe community, as is often described by other guests you have rallied fantastically and i had people turning up to my door with corn cob pipes and and fairly decent briars and things and little pouches of tobacco and people really rallied it was it was amazing and really heartwarming so quite quickly i got a small set of pipes very quickly and then we went back into the house after about four months after the fire the place was spent for a long time and um, we, we talk regularly of curating your cellar in a way that, you know, the, the temperature and the humidity is kept at a certain rate and how fragile some of the tins are. And, and I agree with that entirely. But I was amazed. Uh, we had some in our front room, which only sort of was lightly touched by the fire, let's say. 
And I went in and I probably got about six or seven kilos of tobacco from that front room that I managed to salvage. And even though lots had lost their labels from the fire itself, the, the, the labels had burned off, the tins themselves were quite intact. So wow. yeah, shout out to Cornell and Deal and their um, ring pool cans because yeah, they they survived. So you got you got extra fire cured or uh, or uh, or oven roasted tobaccos, basically for free. I did. Um, I, I sometimes joke we've got the most expensive uh, stove tobacco uh, to share because. Uh, you know, there was about four hundred thousand dollars worth of damage from the oh. fire, so uh, it's expensive, but very rare type tobacco, and it actually is delicious. The t- the taste change was quite remarkable in some cases. So you're not thinking of doing that again, are you? Uh, if my insurance company's listening, certainly not, Brian. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's. It, We've also discovered a new and fun game um, because we have all these mystery tins. Mm. So every now and then at a pipe meet, I'll bring a couple of these tins where the labels are burned off and we pop the top off and got to try and work out what it is. Um, There's always a clue like the inside paper liner has the Cornell and Deal logo or a GLP's logo, for example. But, yeah, it's kind of fun trying to work out, well, what is this? (laughs) But what do you do? What do you do if you find one that you really like, and now you want to go back and order it? You've just got to order it based off of what you think the product is after it's been roasted in a fire. That's true. Yeah, it's difficult. Uh, some of the other friends I, I regularly smoke with have extensive collections, and we might do a bit of a comparison to see whether what we think it is was what it actually is. And then to acquire new tobaccos, yeah. Um, we have to pay the obscene prices from, uh, not that it's the local Australian retailer's fault, it's no. all taxes, it's why the prices are so high. Yeah. All right, so how many pipes are you back up to now? Yeah, I didn't answer your question, did no. I? I'm up to 21, and okay. um, some of that's a mixture of donations and some where I reflected on my previous collection and thought, okay, if I since I am starting again, what do I get? What did I love? And did you tell the insurance company that all those pipes were $1,000 each? They actually, when on our insurance claim, I actually listed all the tobacco and they didn't bat an eyelid. That, wow. uh, it was part of the house value. And yeah, that was, uh, I was quite surprised. They didn't question it. Wow. All right, so how, how, often, uh, how often do you smoke a pipe? Well, with the prices as the way they are, I, I smoke on the weekends and occasionally during the week uh, we have pipe meets every now and then. Uh, just recently on International Pipe Smoking Day, it was a Monday, so had some then, but I probably only have three to four bowls a week on average. That's just because to balance the price more than anything and... And time-wise, yeah, I like to sit down and savor it rather than do it while I'm uh, mowing or driving or something like that. Well, see, I do it while I'm driving so that I drive calmer, nicer. And you guys drive on the wrong side of the road, <laughs> which would terrify me anyway. <laughs> I would, I would argue with you, but 
you do right drive on the right hand side of the road right by this uh, dimension and, and right by incorrectness so yeah. can't argue with you there no <laughs> Um, what is your, what is the Holy Grail pipe for you or the, or the white whale pipe? What's your dream? I'm, I want to go to Italy and buy, uh, Costello Sea Rock, um, just to like a double K size. I'm a smaller pipe kind of guy. Maybe that's me being economical as well, but I want to buy a seven L. I beg your pardon. I want to buy a Costello, but I want to buy it from Italy. So yeah. it'll have that significance and that memory attached to it of being in the country while I own it. And, it, and it'll taste better because it'll taste like all the Italian food. I hope so, yes. <laughs> all right, I gave you guys the option of bringing a, a question or two to me, so now it's your turn. What can I, what can I tell you? Lots of questions have already been asked that I would want to know, so you've already answered them, but I do have a couple of ones. One's a relatively benign one, and it's about tipping ash. I I find I do tend to tip ash quite regularly, and but there's, there's forums out there where it's apparently abhorrent to do that, and others are all for it. So what's your opinion on tipping ash, and when should you or should you not? So normally for me on my... On my standard uh, group four bowl, which is you know, like three a three quarter inch diameter by one and a half inches deep, um, on the last third of the pipe, I find that if I if I dump the ash, then it gives me a little bit easier time of smoking more towards the bottom, uh, but mm. I find it changes the flavor. So I'm not real eager to do it sometimes, but I also find that I have to sometimes if I want to finish the bottom of the bowl, if that makes sense. Um, and then, yeah, that's a really interesting. Answer. Yeah. And, and then for my bigger pipes, which is anything above that and my pipes don't get dramatically big, but yeah, I've got some that are in the group five or group, almost group six size. Uh, and those might be like a seven, seven eighths inch diameter and maybe an inch and three quarters deep. Um, I, most people would think of that as a perfect car pipe because you can load it and get a, a big long smoke out of it. I don't because on a pipe that big, I need to dump the ash at least once halfway through the bowl and maybe one more time as I get down towards the bottom because I want to smoke the rest of it. So I really don't use those in the car because uh, dumping ash in the car is not real convenient. So I tell people like, if, I, if, we're, if we're loading up the car and driving down to Florida, I've got four of my small pipes or you know, four of my standard size pipes for the ride down there and that's a 10 hour drive and, and we're, we're done with them. Uh, as opposed to what a lot of people would think is the obvious is we'll load up a bigger pipe and then you don't have to load as many pipes. But uh, it's the dumping of the ash that I find on the bigger pipes that I need to do it at least once, maybe twice, that makes it hard to finish those bowls. So, uh, I just find that it, 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 at some point you just can't get the flame through all the ash on top 
and you want to get the flame down to, you know, you want to get your lighter flame down to all that fresh tobacco. So, yeah, at least sometimes I don't dump it all, and I that's in a small pipe, but the bigger ones, yeah, I've got to dump at least once, maybe twice. But I do like that ash on top. So, hope that answered your question. Probably more. You, you were probably thinking this is a fairly yeah, simple question, and then I made it complicated. That was really interesting, though. You comment about the taste flavor changing. That I'll, I'll listen or I'll sort of cue my senses into that a little bit more and, and see if I experience that as well. Thank you. Okay. Um, well, I, I had another one about tampers, but uh, yeah. have we got time for that? Sure. Uh, I I found I I was gifted, especially after the fire. I've got dozens of check tools which I don't use. I found I like a pipe nail um, as my damper of choice mm -hmm. and i've noticed it gets this nice build up of cake on the bottom and i say nice because i do enjoy it but i also have an eight deco tamper which i know you've referenced regularly but yeah. do the holes ever clog up on the eight deco and <laughs> is there a way of cleaning them uh, that you've discovered so i know you're a bit of a fan of those with the the rounded uh, dome top it creates on the ash yeah, I don't think I've ever really talked about this, but I've actually just I just a couple a couple weeks ago I threw away one tamper because I've actually <laughs> I went to clean it and all the little chrome plating came off of it. So I was like, well, I guess this is done. Mm. Um, I will if I uh, on the on the tampers that are in the house, I will soak them in some warm water and try to clean them because I figure that. Uh, that a clean tamper will also equal clean tobacco and a cleaner taste. Uh, so I have an old toothbrush, and I may just soak them in some warm water and then use that toothbrush to clean them up. And the, uh, and the holes do reopen up on the eight decos. As I look at one sitting right here at my desk right now that's got uh, two holes plugged and the others are open. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I think the... I think when you're smoking, you want, you, you don't want to put anything dirty on top of the tobacco. So keep them clean. Uh, mm. I also find that it kind of, it kind of helps keep the, uh, I have little ashtrays that I use as tamper rests and it helps keep them cleaner too. Yep. So cuts down on the smell. Uh, the ones I carry in my pocket, I will, uh, if I'm out, Running around, I will just rub them on a napkin, and just by using a napkin, it seems to keep them clean. Yeah, if I, if we're if yeah, we're sitting beautiful. somewhere, yeah, just twist it on a napkin and try to clean it off. But I really don't spend that much, too much time about it. Um, I do have some really nice tampers that are like sterling silver and stuff like that, and I hardly ever use them because I don't want to pretty. I yeah, I don't want to dirty them up, and now I've. Now they've just sat there and tarnished by themselves. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now, I, now I get to polish my tampers. Um, but as our, as my friend Fred Hanna would say, the more expensive the tamper is, the better the uh, the better the tobacco tastes. Which is all pure. Oh uh, well, uh, yeah, it's all pure bullshit. But, um, but yeah, <laughs> I I think you should keep your tampers clean so that you're not putting dirty old stale tobacco on top of what you're smoking. So how how yeah, is that great. for? Uh, thank you. Yeah. 
I mean, that's this is the thing about uh, about pipe smoking that there are so many little details and facets that you don't really think about them until somebody asks you. Uh, you know, with a cigar, you just want to keep the cutter clean. Yeah, and you don't want to you don't want a dirty cutter because then you'll you know your cigar will taste funny. Um, but uh, Neville, yep. we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Fire away. So what is your favorite pipe? The first pipe I bought after the house fire, I think, defines that. And it was a 7LE105, which is relatively mid-range and smallish. Mm-hmm. But I love the traditional billiard shape. And the size suits me down to the ground. And, yeah, I love that size uh, and shape. So 7 LE 105. And what is your favorite tobacco? Well, as we discussed, I kind of browse around a bit. But I love, and I think, uh, I don't remember many people saying this as their answer, but I love luxury bullseye flake. Yep. I was... I was at Peter Stokeby right, well, just before I left, we introduced it. Um, oh. <laughs> what is your favorite drink? Uh, well, I do enjoy a whiskey, but I think what I actually enjoy most with a pipe is a can of Dr. Pepper, believe it or not. I find that the sweetness um, sort of cuts through a little bit and uh, the sugars help with the nicotine hit. So Dr. Pepper for me. There you go. Good old American Texas mm-hmm. drink. Um, when it's yeah. <laughs> it's it's hard to get, and it's expensive in Australia as well. But it goes along well with the expensive tobacco. <laughs> uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Oh, music for me for sure. Yeah, just sit back, relax, contemplate what I have in my hand, and yeah, just have that in the background. Right. Is it either Men at Work or Olivia Newton-John? <laughs> um, probably a little bit of classical if I'm honest or some jazz that's kind yeah. of my style for sitting back and smoking I'd like to thank the country of Australia for giving the world Olivia Newton-John God rest her soul ah Greece um, indeed anyway and then finally do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory that does not include your house burning down um well in Australia, Brian, we would call your type of personality a bit of a larrikin. So I might mm-hmm. tell you a quick story that um, sort of illustrates the larrikin nature of some Aussies. Uh, yeah. We had a pipe meet where we gathered at a pub and we probably had about a dozen of us around a table. And if everyone brings three or four jars, you can probably imagine that the table soon fills up with all this tobacco. There's various trays with tobacco drying and locals would walk past and and it's unusual anyway to see one person smoke a pipe, let alone 10. So it drew a bit of attention, but there was this one drunk fella that kept sort of stumbling by and what's all that stuff? What's that tobacco? And yeah, yeah, yeah. move on, mate, move on. Um, but he came back a couple of times and then he sort of pulled out this pack of rolly papers and said, hey, can, can I try some? <laughs> and uh, this old bloke across from me looked at, looked at me and gave me a wink and said, yeah, mate, have some of my favourite. And he reached over, opened a jar and nightcap. <laughs> and he gave this bloke a couple of pinches of nightcap, Dunhill nightcap, and the guy furiously rolled it up into a cigarette, lit it up, took a huge draw, 
and his face changed colour. He staggered back two or three steps, leant over the railing and spent the next five minutes hanging over the edge. <laughs> and uh, it was a, a very funny, funny thing to watch. And, yeah, if you want to play a trick on someone that's annoying, yeah, just uh, give him a cigarette rolled up with some tobacco like Nightcap in it. And, yeah, watch the fun and sure. <laughs> that's fantastic. He'll never do that again, will he? Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, that was brilliant. We never saw him again after that, that's for sure. <laughs> well, Neville Smith, thank you very much. And, you know, maybe one day I'll make it to Perth for the, uh, for the, uh, uh, for the Perth Pipe Club and we'll all hang out. And I'll be happy to roll really bad cigarettes for all the locals and see if we can get them to feed the fishes. <laughs> absolutely, mate. That would be a pleasure. It's been a delight, Brian. Thanks very much for having me on. And we'll be back in just a minute. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And for music uh, this week, because I got to see Jody and his family, how about... Uh, the Newsboys and their newest song I Speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus
Jesus in the streets Jesus in the darkness Over every enemy Jesus for my family that is a uh, pipe maker and guitar player jody davis on guitar in there and for more information you can go to newsboys.com for uh music and uh tour dates because they're back out on the road now three little words you've got mail mailbag comments or questions can be emailed directly to me brian b-r-i-a-n at pipesmagazine.com or uh bl dot Levine at hotmail.com, which is also the email address for the Las Vegas International Pipe Show. And uh, thanks to my spam filter, <laughs> fighting with it, uh, I've actually got some uh, some mail for you. So uh, Steve Dover says, uh, Brian, I just finished enjoying episode 543 with Scott Thiele. I will be going back and checking out episode 10 to see what I missed. If it was anything like the most recent encounter, I'm in for a treat. I felt right from the start that Scott was one of those guys that everyone would love to spend an afternoon with sharing stories and smoking our favorite pipes. Being a singer-musician that travels 40-plus weeks a year, I could definitely relate to his love of music. I would love to hear more of his musical exploits, maybe in 10 years when you have him back. <laughs> uh, in checking out his website, Scott's creations are impressive. Also, thank you for your thoughts on items in the world of Tabacchiana. There, there goes the rest of my money. <laughs> Wishing you all the best, and thanks again for another great episode. Steve, the Sand Mountain Piper. Uh, you're welcome, Steve. And then Steve also wrote me, uh, Brian, glad to see you returned safely from Jackson. I purchased my ticket as soon as they were available, but then when I heard you were planning on being there, I could hardly wait for the day to arrive. Uh, your recap of the 500th episode celebration for the Country Squire radio show was spot on. John, David, and Bo went out in style. The food was great. The Pipe World royalty that made an appearance was unbelievable. And it was fun realizing that I was able to be in the audience watching history being made. Uh, the fellowship and camaraderie were the pinnacle for me. 
I reconnected with pipe smoking in December of 2021 after an almost two-decade hiatus. My first experience with a pipe was less than desirable, and it did not take long for me to push it aside. When I was trying to learn to smoke a pipe, I did not have the luxury of the internet, podcast, or even a mentor. It was simply trial and error, mainly error. Fast forward 20 years, and when I started scratching my pipe itch again, I had two main resources for education and knowledge, the Pipes Magazine radio show and the Country Squire. Both podcasts helped me learn what to do, what not to do, what to look for in a pipe, and pipe tobacco. Both shows also introduced me to the stalwarts of the pipe community, some of which I was able to meet and speak with in Jackson. I know my story isn't much different than a majority of your listeners, but it is my story just the same. Thank you, Brian, John, David, and Bo, for the endless library of wisdom you have shared. It was great finally getting to meet you and enjoy some small talk at the table while the bluegrass band sang about lambs going to heaven and goats going to hell. Also, thanks for the picture, Steve. You're welcome. Yeah, that was fun. Ah, what a great weekend. And uh, next week, I'll recap my uh, trip to the Mule Town Pipe Show. Uh, and this question comes in from Mick, and Mick says, Hi, Brian. Just recently discovered the Pipes Magazine podcast and love it. I rejoined the pipe smoking community after a 45-year hiatus. I'm enjoying smoking pipes again, but noticed something missing. I had COVID in January 2022. Not bad, and actually was mild. It seems all the different blends I've been experimenting with all taste basically the same. I'm beginning to wonder if COVID has altered my ability to differentiate between all the different and wonderful tobaccos that are available to us. Have you heard of this phenomenon from anyone else who smokes a pipe? Thanks and keep up the good work. Um, yes, I have heard of the phenomenon, you know, long COVID or COVID issues. But I, in, instead of pointing at that, I want to mention that you've been away from it for 45 years. Uh, your body chemistry has changed uh, tobaccos have changed and at the same time your taste buds are um, how should I say it politely older and not as sensitive as they used to be um, for example I remember my grandfather when he you know by the time he was in his 60s and 70s he wanted all of his food as hot as possible and would always add pepper or spice to it because I think his taste buds were worn down um, I would just suggest to you, uh, Mick, that you just keep keep plugging away at uh, you know, keep plugging away at finding your blend and finding the right uh, the right combination of blend and pipe, and uh, you'll you'll get there. You'll get there. You'll find one that really works for you, and it may just be a matter of time. Uh, took me uh, what almost four or five years, and I was in the industry and young to find the blends that magically worked for me. So, thanks for the question. Uh, and then finally, uh, Steve writes regarding Dan Croxel, uh, really enjoyed the diversity of guests and you're an excellent interviewer. Oh, thank you. Uh, especially enjoyed the details of the craft brewery in industry. I visit microbreweries and pubs often. While in Tampa, I enjoy the Wild Rover Brewery with my son quite often. They have outdoor tables where we savor cigars and pipes. Uh, while I appreciate the American craft brewery rev revolution, I sometimes think our European cousins might be laughing at it at us. Uh, Europeans have been crafting brews for centuries. 
Uh, the Weinhen Stephen Brewery, Weinhen Stephen Brewery, still flourishing, was established in Germany in 1040. Uh, you can get this delicious beer at some of the larger chains. Uh, better known Stella Artois is over 600 years old. And last Saturday, I visited Mr. Dunderbach's Beer Garden and Brewery in Tampa. This 40-year-old-plus establishment featured dozens of imported German beers, an octogenarian singer, accordion player whose selections were exclusive from The Sound of Music, and an extensive German cuisine menu. Uh, we had several different beers, and all were fabulous. Uh, you can order in Giant Steins. Uh, we had a full meal as well, and the tab was less than $40. Uh, the trip reminded me of my Air Force days when I went with buddies of all service branches to German pubs in the D.C. area. Uh, back then, there was no such thing as craft beer. German bars offered super beer, affordable food, good music. If you can appreciate polkas and a wholesome festive atmosphere, <laughs> there you go. Uh, Dan was also an excellent guest. Uh, the closing music also tied in with his email, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. Again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, keep sharing the Pipes Magazine radio show out wherever you are. And in just a moment, a Kevin Godby-inspired rant. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. For you, dear. Say, my favorite pipe tobacco, why that swell? I haven't seen this for years. Wherever did you find it? On tidbits.com, of course. You mean the Pipe Collectors Auction site? Yes, that's right. They have vintage and hard-to-find tobaccos, pipes, and accessories, too, you know. You don't say. I can buy all those things on tidbits.com? That's right. But you can also sell some of those pipes and tobaccos you don't smoke anymore, too, dear. Perhaps you're trying to tell me something. Visit tinbids.com, the pipe collector's auction site. Cowboy. Cowboy. We all know and love Pipes Magazine founder and owner-operator Kevin Godby, and we all know his um, uh, propensity to enjoy adult beverages occasionally, um, to the point where the Diageo company and I think the Seagram's family all have pictures of him up in their boardrooms and their offices, kind of as a patron saint. Um, you know, so, so he likes to drink, uh, and he smokes a pipe and the occasional cigar, and uh, he, we were talking, and he said that he went to the dentist recently, and they asked about drug use, alcohol consumption, and tobacco use. And after seeing the dentist, you know, they filled out the form, and after seeing the dentist, uh, the dentist asked if he wanted help with quitting smoking. Didn't mention anything about the fact that, you know, 
when uh, Kevin Godby drinks, I, I mean, let's just say he drinks, uh, didn't mention a thing. I've had a similar thing happen where I've written down that, you know, I take, a, you know, I might have a, a two or three social drinks and I'm not a heavy drinker, but I finally got a general practitioner family doctor to not ask me if I want to help quit smoking. It's the only thing they're worried about. You could walk in there and be, you know, and, and be drinking five drinks a day and not have any, you know, and then if you smoke a pipe, they want to talk to you about quitting tobacco use. Well, that's because that's what's hot on the lawyer's list this week, right? Tobacco use. Ooh. And then you tell them you smoke a pipe and they say, well, that, you know, it's still tobacco. And they say, well, we don't inhale. Or in Kevin's case, he may only smoke a pipe once a day, you know, and it's not a major addiction that he needs help quitting. In fact, he's told me there's been weeks where he's gone without it because he wasn't feeling well or didn't have the time. So uh, thank you, medical professionals. We don't need help quitting. We need help smoking longer so just keep us healthier all right all right there you go um again uh, las vegas international pipe show information is all up on the website now uh make sure and get your rooms we did get more rooms this year but it's probably not going to be enough again and uh comments or questions email me brian at pipesmagazine.com keep sharing out the pipes magazine radio show wherever you are thank you to jeff grasick thank you to neville and until next time. When we're together Just sing a song And think about sunny weather Happy trails to you No, no, uh, 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 I'm awake, I'm awake, honestly.